Chapter Fifteen of The U-Boat Hunters by James B. Connolly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Tomko. Chapter Fifteen: The Navy as a Career. A young fellow reading all the stuff about the doings of our destroyers might be inclined to look on the navy as pure adventure, which would not be to get it quite right. The adventure is there, but there is something more. The Navy will take a young man, feed and clothe him, give him a good all-round training, and, while he is yet in middle age, retire him with at least $60 a month for the rest of his life. No matter how low his rating has been, that $60 a month is certain after his 30 years of service while if he has shown moderate intelligence and ambition he can count on close to one hundred dollars a month and this without his having ever been a commissioned officer the years after his retirement he may spend as he pleases go into business get another job and make another wage on top of his pension he can go to jail if he prefers whatever he does always there is that sheet anchor of a pension to windward apart from the fighting end of it most of us possibly do not know just what navy life means today we all know that man-of-war's men no longer lie out on rolling yard-arms to reef salt-crusted sails in gales of wind but in what else lies the difference some of us possibly do not know that the navy still wants men with the sea-going instinct men who can sailorize who can hand, splice, and steer, but more than ever, the Navy is looking for men who can do other things. The Navy wants shipfitters, blacksmiths, plumbers, electricians, wireless operators, carpenters, boilermakers, painters, printers, storekeepers, bakers, cooks, stewards, drug clerks, even as it wants gunners, boatmen, quartermasters, sailmakers, firemen, oilers, and it will take clarinet, trombone, and cornet players, and the like for the ship's band. If a man has no trade, the Navy will teach him one. There are Navy schools for electricians, shipwrights, ship fitters, carpenters, painters, coppersmiths, ship's cooks, bakers, stewards, and musicians. There are schools where yeomen, ship's clerks, are taught all about departmental papers. There is a hospital corps school, an aeronautic school, a school for deep-sea diving. There are no schools for blacksmiths or boilermakers. These must have mastered their trades before enlistment. When a young fellow enlists, he is sent to one of several naval training stations. Here they are quartered in barracks, well-aired, well-lighted, well-heated buildings, at one place where the climate is mild the boys sleep in barracks and bungalows with upper sides of canvas which are rolled down to let in sun and air in fine weather and laced up against bad weather at all training stations there are mess halls reading rooms libraries also gymnasiums athletic fields and ballparks at all stations there are setting up drills gymnastics swimming and signal exercises ship and boat training the men go on hikes fight sham battles dig trenches line officers give them advice which will be of use to them on shipboard later service doctors and chaplains hand them hygienic and moral truths that will be of use to them anywhere at any time 
A recruit goes from the training school to a cruising ship, where he may find himself, according to his work, doing watch duty four hours on to eight hours off, or working at hours like a man ashore, turning to at eight or nine o'clock, and knocking off at four or five or six o'clock in the afternoon. Warships formerly meant close living quarters, and ships formerly went off on cruises on which the men sometimes did not set foot on shore for six months or a year, and quite often they had to go for months without taste of fresh meat or vegetables. Those days are gone. Ships still make long cruises from home, but they do not keep the sea as they used to. Service regulations require that men now be given a run ashore once in three months, and beef boats travel with all fleets. The everlasting holy stoning of wooden decks, and the dim lanterns hung at intervals from low-hanging beams, they are gone. The only dim lanterns now are the battle lanterns in use at night war practice, and they are swung to steel bulkheads by electric wires. Quarter-decks, forecastle heads, and bridges are still planked on the big ships, and such do still have to be wholly stoned on special days, but the great stretches between decks are now laid in linoleum on the hard steel itself. Electric lights are all over the ship, and, as for the low beams, the new big ships are so high-girdered that hammock hooks on the berth deck have to be made extra long so the men won't have to get step-ladders to turn in. A battleship nowadays is about 600 feet long, 100 feet wide, has seven or eight decks, with turrets, bridges, military masts, and smoke pipes topside. Between decks are magazines, storerooms, engine rooms, boiler rooms, dynamo rooms, mess rooms, ice rooms, repair shops, state rooms, office rooms, sick bays, galleys, laundries, pantries, but only ship constructors can tell you offhand how many hundreds of compartments are below decks of a present-day big war ship. She is a great workshop, an office structure, a big power plant, a floating hotel, and a few other things. But above all, she is meant to be a home for ten or twelve hundred officers and men. A man may not be given duty on a battleship or battle cruiser. He may be sent to a scout cruiser or a beef boat or a gunboat, which, being smaller, will bounce and roll around more in heavy weather and not offer so much room to move around in. But he will get used to the bouncing around, and always he will find some variety and some comfort in his daily life. That item of comfort might as well be counted in as important. It is something to know that, no matter what else happens, there are hot meals waiting a man three times a day, and a dry change of clothing, and a dry hammock to turn into nights. Even on deck duty in bad weather, a man can get into slicker, rubber boots, and rain hat, and, at the worst, be almost comfortable. Navy life is not meant to be a perpetual entertainment, not though they do hold regular smokers on the quarter-decks of the big ships. To lie for months off a tropic port waiting for something to happen, that is not exhilarating, and coaling ship, even with the band playing, that is no joy. But the watching of tropic ports passes, and the ship has to steam many a mile before she must be cold again. So, taking it in the long perspective, it is a moderately varied life, an outdoor life, and under hygienic conditions of the best. Right now, war with us, there is going to be some danger.
but we are assuming that any man who thinks of joining the navy is prepared for a little danger a man may enlist in the navy up to thirty-five years of age providing he is at least five feet four inches tall weighs one hundred twenty-eight pounds has a thirty-three inch chest possesses normal vision a moderate number of sound teeth is free from disease or deformity and is an american citizen sometimes men shy on some measurement are passed if about average otherwise a boy seventeen the youngest enlistment age must be five feet two inches and weigh one hundred ten pounds when a boy or a man enlists he goes at once on the payroll with his pay goes a clothing allowance sufficient to cover all service demands with his pay also goes nourishing and abundant food enlistments are of four years for men a boy's enlistment runs to his majority a man may work up to be a cpo chief petty officer in his first enlistment the navy is full of men who have done that during this war many a recruit should make his cpo quickly for there is nothing in the regulations to prevent a recruit from making his cpo overnight the habit of most officers is to rate up good men in their divisions as fast as vacancies will permit a cpo's base pay may run up to seventy seven dollars a month with re-enlistment that base pay is increased a man re-enlisting without delay gets a bounty of four months pay figure that extra re-enlistment money four months pay every four years the same with interest at the navy savings account rate of four per cent and see what it amounts to after thirty years service that extra re-enlistment money is not figured into the pension probabilities as stated in the beginning of this article consider that and then consider how many men have to work until they are too old to work any further and who after all their years of labor go on the scrap heap without a dollar against the poverty of their old age besides the base pay of a man's rating there is extra money for men doing special work neither has this been reckoned in the pension possibilities certain gun pointers gun captains coxswains stewards and cooks get extra money up to ten dollars a month men in submarines get one dollar extra for every day their boat submerges up to fifteen dollars a month men acting as mail clerks draw up to thirty dollars a month extra ships tailors up to twenty dollars a month extra men in the flying corps get fifty per cent more than the base pay their rating calls for every man in the service draws a small extra sum for good conduct a chief petty officer is not the highest rating of the enlisted service there is a most efficient body of men called warrant officers who wear a sword are called mister and draw up to twenty four hundred dollars a year there are warrant boatswains gunners machinists carpenters pharmacists and pay clerks but they must remain in service even as most commissioned officers till they are sixty-four before they draw their pension of three-quarters pay also like commissioned officers they get no clothing allowance and have to pay for their food the matter of becoming a commissioned officer may interest the recruit one hundred appointments may be made to annapolis every year from among the younger enlisted men of the navy young fellows who wish to try for this are given special opportunities for study the proviso that an applicant must be under twenty years of age and have been at least one year in service to make annapolis is going to bar the way to some for such there is another way warrant
a warrant boatswain gunner or machinist of four years standing and still under thirty-five years of age may take an examination for ensign twelve warrant officers may be made ensigns annually if they pass they thereafter go on up exactly as any annapolis graduate a warrant pay clerk may go up to be junior paymaster where he will rank with an ensign the foregoing is for the business or ambitious side somebody may ask will the young fellow who looks on the navy as a business proposition make a good fighting man well in the judgment of men who study the game almost any young fellow you meet along the street has it in him to make a good fighting man the fighting habit is more a habit of mind than of body habituating the mind to the fighting game is what makes our sailors soldiers and marines do the right thing almost automatically in crises and this almost automatically correct action makes for the greater safety of shipmates or comrades in time of peril in this book only the work of our destroyers in this war has been spoken of that is because only our destroyers have come in contact with enemy ships but all along the line the personnel is of equal caliber our navy is crowded with men who will face any danger some years ago one of our battleships was on a battle range with bags of powder stowed in her turrets to save time in loading and firing the guns a spark got to the bags of powder there was an explosion and a fire directly underneath was the handling room burning pieces of cloth fell from the turret down into the handling room the crew of that handling room could have jumped into the passageway made their way up a ladder and so on to the free and safe air of the open deck what they did was to stand by to stamp out what fire they could leading from the handling room were the magazines the doors of the magazines were open men jumped into the magazines and buttoned the keys of the bulkhead doors so that there would be no crevice for sparks in doing that they locked themselves in and once in they had to stay in above them they knew was a turret full of men and officers dead and dying they knew that fire was raging around them too and that the next thing would be for the people outside to flood the magazines the magazines were flooded when things were under control and the doors opened the water in the magazines was up to the men's necks while that was going on below decks in the turret were other men and officers including the chaplain not knowing what was going on below and expecting every moment to be blown up into the sky but there they were easing the last moments of the men who were not already dead thirty all told were killed in the turret all concerned behaved well but no better than they were expected to behave a few years ago there was a destroyer off hatteras it was before daybreak of a winter's morning in heavy weather a boiler explosion blew out her side from well below the water line clear up through to her main deck men were killed by the explosion others were badly scalded a steam burn is an agonizing thing yet some of these scalded men went back into that hell of a boiler room and hauled out shipmates who to their notion were more badly burned than themselves one such rescuer died of his burns the hole in the deck and top side of that destroyer was twelve feet across yet her commander and crew got her to norfolk under her own steam commander and crew behaved well but no better than they were expected to behave there was a chief boatswain in the navy who had the duty of taking a ship's steamer with a crew to look after the ship's target at battle practice 
A target is a frame of canvas set up on a raft of logs. The duty of the steamer was to stand off to one side and make a record of the hits. This boatswain likes to joke, to try out new men. On the run from the ship, he called the roll and said, Now, boys, in this work, one of you will have to stay on the raft to count the hits. Of course, it is dangerous work. I won't say that it isn't. The man going may not come back. The chances are, he eyed them one after another, that whoever goes will never come off the raft alive. Now, I can name the one who will have to do that work, but I don't want to have to name him. I'll let you draw lots. He took a sheet of paper and cut it into strips. His crew, all apprentice boys, all fresh from the training school, drew the slips. The lad who drew the short slip was no better or braver to look at than most of the others. He looked at a slip of paper, and then in a sort of wonder at the sea and sky. He came back to his short slip. His lips trembled. He prayed to himself. Then he went down into his blouse pocket and fished out a stub of a pencil. He was whiter than ever, and shaking. "'Can I have a sheet of paper, sir?' "'What do you want a sheet of paper for?' I'd like, sir, to write a note to my mother before I go. To pick out a few isolated instances from service records and shout, there is the proof of general efficiency, of courage, of what-not, that would be idle. These were not taken from the service records. Officers and men in the turret explosion, in the destroyer accident, in the raft incident, are mentioned here because the writer, at different times, has cruised with them. They all behaved well, but no better than they were expected to. When I asked the boatswain in the raft case if he expected the boy to quit, he said, Quit? They never quit. This talk of heroism and pensions in the same breath may not seem to jibe. Somebody is going to wonder if the man who thinks of the money side of the Navy in the beginning isn't going to think too much of it in the end. But there is a point of view which should be reckoned with, and a type of man of a good fighting man who should be listened to in this matter. Why should not a man who risks his life in his daily calling have the normal comforts and his family the ordinary necessities of life? I know a fireman, an efficient, brave man, a man with a record. One night we were in a drug store in a crowded city. He was answering the argument of a man working in a big factory. Said the fireman, you're making your five or six yes and eight dollars a day in lively times like now all right but the lively times will pass and there'll come weeks when you won't make any four or five or six dollars a day and there'll come weeks when you'll be on half time average it up and you won't get any more than i will in the long run and when i'm through when i'm fifty-five i get a pension and with a few good years left to me and where are you then out on the street, or some home for the aged, if they will take you. Save money as I go along? I don't figure on it, not with a family and trying to give them the kind of food they need and the little things that live boys and girls, especially girls, care as much for as the grub they eat and the clothes they wear. But if I do spend all my pay, my family are getting the good of it. I don't go into the discard at the end and when i'm up on a shaky roof in a bad fire maybe i'll be more ready to take a chance knowing that if i go through and cripple myself there's something coming to the wife and family after it 
The fireman's argument holds for the Navy, except that in the Navy they get through younger and with a bigger pension. Is there any romance in the Navy nowadays? Who can answer for all? Probably as much now as ever there was. Why should substituting smoke pipes for spars and propellers for sails kill the thing that thrills us? I've seen men washing down decks of a tropic morning and ninety miles inland, old Orizabo showing his white head above the clouds, and some of these men thought it was slow work and others thought it was great. On a scout cruiser to African ports, or a thousand miles up a Chinese river, on a gunboat, among the South Sea Islands, on a light cruiser, some men return with dumb lips and others can keep you awake till morning with the tales of what they've seen. A nineteen-year-old big-gun pointer sits atop of his bicycle saddle, and the enemy fleet is swinging into range. Will it be like shooting clay pipes in a gallery, or will a warmer wave go rolling through his veins as he presses the button? Romance. Is it something always dead and gone, or something a man carries around with him? Whatever it is, the Navy is there to try it out, and no danger of starving while we try it. End of chapter 15. Recording by William Tomko.